everybody. This is the Drop the Beat podcast. My name is Charles Larita. And I'm Will Sarver. And we want to thank you guys so much, as we do every single time, for watching us and listening to us beat off. This is our fourth episode that we've actually been filming. Right. And I really feel like the visual helps a lot of people um, while we're beating off, and they're probably beating off at home separately. Yeah, I think with it being visual... There's a stronger connection, I think. I like to try this every once in a while when we're talking. I'll kind of turn and hold eye contact with my specific camera. I feel like the eye contact is, it, it's jarring, but when you get used to it, it's like, ah, it's pretty good. Hey, right. You, know? and you don't want to be rude either. No, you know? no, no. I feel like I owe it to you guys. You know, I think we've been doing very, very well uh, with this podcast. I know I've been having a lot of fun. It's a great time. Um, At least I'm just saying that to your face to make you feel better. No, that's understandable. Yeah. Um, it's been a hot second. Honestly, it's definitely been a hot second. Uh, how have you been? Have you been with everything going on? The usual. I mean, one day I'll say something exciting, but... That's okay, me w- too. With being, you know, quarantine, just it is what it is. Yeah. You're doing what you do. That does what I... Did does? Does? Did? Yes. Do. Doing. Both. Everything. Oh, my God. How are you? Tense it's in. I'm fine. I, I am what it, I am. Hair's I on is. fleek. Hair was good today. Today was a good hair day. Fresh shaved so I don't look like a homeless person. Mm. Um, Brows did. Or a hipster. What's the difference, honestly? Same. Um, the iPhone is the difference <laughs> between the hipster and the homeless person. Sorry, everyone, if you're all leaving this video. Please don't. We need you. We need you. Um, Please. But thank you, though. We are very grateful for everyone who continuously watching and listening to us. Uh, we like doing this little thing. It's kind of nice. It's just turned more into a conversational piece, which I think is cool. Uh, but we do have kind of a questiony thing this week. But before we get into that, we got some tea. We do have some tea. We fresh brewed this bitch. Yep. Um, we got some lemon zinger, as they say. Yes. And who? who what's the manufacturer? What was it? Was it Twinnings? Twinings? What is it? Maybe. Bigelow? I don't remember. I don't know. Well, any any of those that he just mentioned? Sure. Uh, hit us up. Uh, we'd love a sponsor yeah. here. I say, give me a break at, at home. We didn't have much time. They're K-Cups. Don't judge me too much. They're not the normal <laughs> teabag kind of thing. I didn't teabag our normal right stuff. Either way, we just got paid for you, you know, from you mentioning That's that. That's cool. So, give me a clinky. Great. Yep. Thank you. It's money in the bank. And let's get a big gross sip right Show in the Show what you drank. Definitely. I think that's how it goes. Oh my god, the zing. Now, Whoa. I don't know about you, but I'm getting tea up front, and then <laughs> towards the back end of that, I'm getting more tea. I don't know what you're getting. I got, uh, um, that was like 90% zinger, <laughs> and like 10% lemon. All right, so perfect. Was, the zinger really gets you. It does. Well, wait till tomorrow. It's going to keep you regular. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> it's really good. I don't know what the zinger part is. It's the lemon and the zinger part is prunes. I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah. But baby, going to make you shit. Ooh. Um, mm, good, get the wipes ready. I have my Honda Mansion mug today, and um, I'm thankful that you're using the Freddy Krueger sweater mug. Which for one Christmas side, mug. It does look like Christmas, which is nice. And yeah. it's probably the most Christmassy thing I own. Um, but it says Nightmare on Elm Street on the other side. Um, you got these fleek-ass coasters we got, too. We got all sorts of good stuff. I know. It's all jazzed up Down here. here in the Rat Cave. And the bell. That's, like, that's my it. favorite thing. This is, God, this is starting to turn into Pee-wee's Playhouse. I'm very thankful for that. <laughs> Slowly getting to that. Good. Very good. Uh, um, well, thanks for listening. Um, yeah, that was a good that was one it. this week. Yeah. And um, I'm going to go to hell. I don't know. <laughs> yeah.
<laughs> drink more tea. Yeah, drink, drink more tea. It's good for your kidneys. Um, drink more Ovaltine. We're going to get kidney stones, honestly. But um, but we do kind of have an amalgamation of questions into one big question that we've gotten continuously. And a lot of people know I'm very big into film. You're very big into film. I do enjoy um, it. We do like movies and shows and visual media and the like. And a lot of people always ask about things with music in film, whether it be score or films that are about music and have musicians in them, like biopics and things like that, um, or like how music is used in a specific film or necessarily like a soundtrack too, because that's a use of music in a different way. Yeah. Um, and I think that's always very, very cool. So everyone always just asked me a ton of opinion. So I was like, let's just kind of discuss this today because not a lot of people ever break it down like that. And there are a lot of different things you can kind of do, like authenticity of people playing in films, um, obviously people who score them like big composers. There are a couple huge ones. Oh, yeah. Um, and then just overall use of music or lack of music, what that kind of does, and I think that's very important. There's a lot of topics yeah. that you can hit there. I say we. Just, I got this lemon zinger in my system. I'm just ready to go. You're zinged up. I'm zing. I'm z fucking zinging right now. Zing. A zang. A zang. Zang. I had zang. That's past tense. Right. I'm zinging right now. But you. I had zang yesterday. You're right. Wow. Is your English <laughs> lesson for the day? <laughs> Religious experience right there. Um, <laughs> but um, when I think of films with score if we're kind of jumping off into that topic, there's always like, you have the big trifecta mm -hmm. of composers. Uh, you have John Williams. Oh yeah. If you ever heard of him, um, which coincidentally I'm wearing this, sh this empire strikes back shirt today. That's I did funny. not plan that because we it looks didn't, planned. We it's planned. Stop it. No, fuck off. <laughs> we didn't plan it. I didn't, I didn't know we were going to do this topic. And, but then again, it's like, I have a 90% chance of putting on a star Wars shirt anyway. That's accurate. That is yeah, fairly there's accurate. A good chance. Yeah. Um, you have your John Williams, you have your Hans Zimmer, you have your Alan Silvestri and those guys are like the big three. And I'm sure they're, I mean, I know there are hundreds and dozens and thousands of oh, right. others. Um, but score is very interesting in a film because it does a lot of things. And I always say it's, you know, the use of music to tell a story or the lack of music to tell a story, which I think is equally as important. Um, John Williams is super cool because you always hear these big kind of just like waving scores. And like his themes that he's created over the years are so household themes at this point oh you know, yeah obviously you have star wars you have things like jaws you have harry potter um god you have indiana jones which is one of my favorites et jurassic park jurassic right? park yeah, yeah jurassic park yeah <laughs> um and that's just on on the small end because he's done oh my god how way, much way too many um which is insane and he's still doing it which i think is yeah. which is great too um and he's cool because he has these you know big flowing scores which i think are great and they always had um a sense of like whimsical wonder which was kind of cool because most of the things he scored or a lot of the famous things were fantasy films superman being one of them which was a very very big one um you know and it, it's that whole that triumphant feel like that and i think a nice counterpoint to him who i very very much like is Hans zimmer who i know you are super hip to oh oh folks show so who when you think of when you think of Hans zimmer what film immediately i think you mind. know what i'm gonna say i have one that actually comes to mind before that one okay but which what, what do you got dark knight of course that's yeah that's very 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 cool i mean besides like heath ledger's performance in that mm -hmm. 
I think the scoring for that kind of makes it a, a lot of it for me is is that why that series is so good. I was going to say the scoring. Imagine that film or those three Christopher Nolan Dark Knight films with no score. It's an he, he has yeah. the epicness where John Williams has the uh, the the wonder and amazement of you know Superman flying or E.T. on the bike flying or Harry Potter flying. There was fucking flying in those. <laughs> yeah, it's certain. Uh, no, which is cool though because I'm I'd love any of it because he's he and Spielberg are like best buds. Um, but Hans Zimmer is is tense, um, and and it's always very heavily percussive. Yeah, um, he loves it. Yeah, his. Where John Williams is very much the theme and motifs like that, his is almost telling a story. When you get into motifs, like especially the Dark Knight specifically, um, the Joker always has a motif that plays when he is, you know, entering, entering the or, scene yep. or something or something's going to happen with him. And for those of y'all not knowing what a motif is, it's usually like a little musical phrase or something and they assign it to like a character. A snippet. Yeah, like a little snippet or something like that. Obviously, Jaws is a very famous one because you know when the shark is coming. It's literally two notes. Yeah, that's what it is. It's crazy. That's what it is. Now, for (laughs) me, for Hans Zimmer, I think of The Lion King because he did The Lion King score, which Mm. is great. Now, you had like Elton John and Tim Rice doing the actual music and song, lyrical song. Yes. He did the scoring part, and those parts are like fucking intense because it was always the two that stick out to me. It's where there's... um, Mufasa gets dicked over by Scar, and there's the wildebeest stampede, and that's like very like hectic, yeah. tritone music, and it sounds like tense. And they're at the end where Simba comes back, and he's big boy Simba, Simba, Simba Senior, and he comes to fight Scar, and everything's on fire, and it's like super, just like oh my god, like this is so intense. And yeah. in that case, I'm always a less is more person, um, but like that setting the scene and setting the mood it's like it needed it good lord it's perfect it's so like i couldn't imagine anyone else doing that kind of a thing i think that's his strong suit is he knows where to place things that's half the battle and that's very important and especially him working with christopher nolan where nolan always has this giant vision of everything he leaves the music completely up to hans zimmer which I think is amazing. Smart move. It's a very smart move. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite Nolan movies is. Oh my god! Like you, the score in all of his films is just isn't intense. Yeah, I love Interstellar because that was almost all done on a pipe organ, and that's really that's cool crazy. because Christopher Nolan was like, "Do something different." Yeah. For for this movie because it's out there. It's traveling through a black hole. It's space time continuum, all that and. He did pipe organ music, and I'm like, that's a really cool approach. It really is. Unusual. I love that. Um, so I, I was going to say I love Hans Zimmer for being that very just intense. Like he can, like as you said, he can write emotion. I mean, any kind of music has emotion to it. That's what right. makes it drive and move. But his, it's always like pressing and tense and like a holy shit. That's what it is. Yeah. Which I, I think is very, very cool. He takes you on this huge journey. I, it's, throughout it it's amazing uh one of his big pieces of scoring that i love um is inception not just the boom <laughs> which perfect. is that's so iconic at this point but i love the whole idea of they have the song the old italian song that they have is the kick when they're waking up from dreams and then the score he did throughout the movie is just slower versions of that 
And I never knew that until recently. And I'm like, he's just a very, very smart guy. He really is. He's like the Nolan of scoring like that. Yeah. Um, He actually had a master class not that long ago online. I missed it and I should have watched it because it was probably phenomenal. I saw like the trailer for it. <sighs> that dude, man. Just good Lord. But in that trailer, he brought up a really good point of how a lot of times when he scores, just the way you change a couple things... You can get question and you can get answer. That's a really which is, interesting point. Which is really, it's crazy to think about, but he does that a lot. And I've noticed that more. Um, over quarantine, I rewatched the entire trilogy of The Dark Knight. Um, and I love those films. Those films are awesome. Yeah. That, like, that changed the game for everything. Um, but it was really cool because when you saying that question and answer kind of thing, or, or um, question, asking question, or whichever. A lot of the earlier scenes in the Batman films very much have that question kind of sound or motif because he's young and he's learning. And then as yeah. it goes on, he ages and, and gains experience. Now it's like, okay, I'm Batman. Exactly. I'm Batman. Yeah. Sorry, I said it wrong. <laughs> you have to say it specifically. And it, and it adds suspense. Oh, my God. Yes. Especially, I mean, for all the music nerds, it's, a lot of times he wouldn't resolve it. Yeah. So you get that unsettling feeling because that's you're waiting the, that's for all the joker stuff in that which is every which time is great um just leaves you on that little cliffhanger yeah to not resolve it it's either like the biggest theory dick move you could do or it works. if you use it yeah to, to help you that that's a huge deal um it's i and now it's saying batman and me thinking of batman um another completely different side of scoring is i like danny elfman a lot and a lot of people give him shit because he doesn't read music how never read. dare he not read? I know. What a butthole. Um, because so many people are always like, well, if you don't read, you are not a musician. And it's like, I read and I teach reading and this and that, but I will never, ever agree with that statement. There's music a lot of so pro guys that can't read a thing of music. There are a lot of pros who only read music and you take it away from them and they have no idea what to do. Some would could argue that that's... I, More dangerous. Not that we're going to have a shit session here, but I had an ex-girlfriend who was a fabulous piano player, and if you took the music away from her, she had no idea what to do. She was helpless. So taking away your water wings, and now you sing. Yeah, I mean, we could talk about that in another podcast, but that's, you know, you, you can't always have music in front of you. Yeah. There may be a situation where that's not available. Yeah. Well, then what do you do? Yeah, you're... You know what I mean? Got to sink or swim. Yeah, you know? exactly. So... um. But I love Danny Elfman because he did the um, the scores and themes. He Batman's theme he did for the um, Michael Keaton Batman films. Okay, which when obviously when anyone thinks Danny Elfman, they think it's Tim Burton immediately. Right, he's done almost everything he's worked on, which is great. And he's cool because he came from the band Oingo Boingo, which was very weird, very out there rock band. Um, but as far as approach to scoring, it's a very different kind of take on things because he where tim burton is the goth director he's the goth kind of composer where all of his stuff is very melancholy or or it's that very kind of just macabre sound like i think of beetlejuice and that's an awesome score or all yeah. the stuff it's a fun 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 it's all that kind of like right. tuba shit which is great <laughs> i mean i love it though uh, and you have to do your shoulder yeah you have to completely wrong tuba of course um but he's cool too because i mean he go he crosses into that musical kind of realm um his scoring is very interesting because he does a lot of modulations which is progression and i always thought that was very very cool or some people would look at that as progression i've always always liked that um 
I don't know. A lot. Of, a lot of people are very indifferent on him. Uh, I think he's very. He's been doing it a long time. He's obviously successful in some manner. He scores a lot of stuff people didn't even know he scores because he can score things in like the manner of a normal person. Yeah. One of my favorites is he did the original Spider Man. Like that was his score, and that's a really cool score. Like that kind of Spider Man theme, and he did those three Tobey Maguire ones. Um, and no one ever remembers that, and I wish more people did because it's like a really like just very like graceful sounding. Yeah. score where it's like that's great because if you look it i always feel if someone me not being a composer at all understanding the the art and the act of it because it's very objective subjective but i always feel you know if someone can see that character and they think of that music and it encompasses it you did a good job right and i always think that's very that's important. a good point yeah like i just rewatched um the original three indiana jones films I love those. Those movies are yeah, awesome. Great. They're Harrison Ford's the coolest dude. Um, and when you hear that music, like it's you, you have both sides of it. You see Indiana Jones and you think of that song, and you hear that song, and undoubtedly, like this is him in song form. Yes, that's how I always kind of pictured it. That I, was John Williams again. That right? was John Williams. Yeah, yeah, of course. Which is great. Yeah, when in he, doubt. he, yeah, him and Spielberg are, are like Danny Elfman and Timber. Yeah, best buds. Great um, duo there. But yeah, I mean, I like that you brought up Jurassic Park because that kind of brings it into another realm of it. It's the lack of music. And that's a very important kind of choice. Equally um, as effective. Yeah. And which makes no sense. But it no, does. No, isn't that bizarre? <laughs> yeah. Where it's it's I mean, there's the that the old quote, I forget his name escapes me, whoever said it, but it, it's you know, it's the notes you don't play matter just as much as the notes you do right yeah um that's probably coltrane or charlie parker or somebody or duke it might have, i don't know somebody huge someone was smart yeah. and more successful than myself um said that and i always thought about that and that really changed how i looked at films with score or music i was you know i always used to be like oh there's no music playing here what's the point of it and i was like oh that was a creative choice yep um so I always think of Alfred Hitchcock because he did a lot of things where he would have the theme and the score would be over the opening credits, and that was it. And he was like, the lack of music is the music, where it's you hear just tension and you hear sound effect and foley, and that's what makes it intense. It's the fact that the music is not there and it leaves you on edge. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Yeah, and it's right. super unsettling because now it's like you're expecting like a theme to come in and it's just it's not there. No, and, and that's, that's why it was so effective in Jurassic Park. It creates more tension. That's that's what's so cool with that film because you obviously get the big theme when they there's a famous scene where uh, they you know taking the glasses off and, and getting up in the van and you see yeah. the, the big sauropods and it's like the big triumphant theme. But then you have the T-Rex in the rain, which is like one of my favorite just pieces of cinema. That is like fucking beautiful. Like it's I amazing. tear up when I see that. It's just so good. And to this day, it holds up um, phenomenally. And there's no music in that. It's just rain right. and mud and screaming and goat noises and dinosaur sounds. And it's like, that's fucking horrifying. I remember seeing that when I was like, that came out when I was three. I didn't see it in the theaters, uh, but we got it on VHS. And that was a long a long scene it's super long yeah. yeah with no music yeah no music and that's and i think spielberg wanted something in there and john williams was like nah this see is that like, takes a lot to be like 
No. Yeah. Doesn't need well, anything. He, I mean, John Williams, I mean, what a lot of people don't realize, too, he actually does screenwriting work, too. Like, he is in the game. Like, he knows Oh, he knows the game, yeah. But for him to be like, this is the proper choice and get paid less because, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. like you're not writing. But it's like... Yeah, um it says a lot. Because I think he had tried writing things over that as the story goes and just it didn't fit and he just said it's not this is like the crown jewel achievement of this film it's like you can't fuck this up like right i don't blame him no. um the other, call yeah i mean the other scene in that is when uh they're in the kitchen and the velociraptors are going all around and i love that scene too and there's no music with that either yeah and that's like such a crazy choice because it's like you have dinosaurs in a film and it's like intense and it's like you think there's going to be some kind of music and there's not. And that's you what don't made need it, it. That made it so much scarier. I remember being a little kid. I was three because I was a, I was a three year old kid. I, everyone was obsessed with dinosaurs. I still am, obviously, because I'm still a three year old <laughs> kid. But like I remember renting that from the old blockbuster when I was three um, and watching it. That movie scared the shit out of me. And those yeah. scenes specifically, because now when you have music, you're comforted. When you don't, it's like, oh, it's just me. Right. It's just me and you. We're dead. That's it. Yeah, and the sounds and like the noises that everybody makes and and the sounds that the dinosaurs put like that is the music. It's that's the perfect point. That is the score. Yeah, that's kind of what it becomes. Um, because that those scenes were all dependent on extraneous noise. Yeah, that's what made it rain. You know, dinosaur walking or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It if you put music on top of that, it it would take it away. From from that it would be so much less intense like that yeah. famous scene of the cup of water on the dashboard <laughs> yeah which i found out how they did that which is really cool um steven spielberg was apparently driving because they shot that in hawaii that part was on a sound stage but they were shot it in hawaii and spielberg was aw uh, he was driving somewhere and blasting earth wind and fire and he said the bass was so intense in his car it was he had a cup of water yeah. and it did that and he was like that's really cool so they had a guitar string held on by an eyelet underneath that cup holder and they had it attached to somewhere else and they had it tight and they would just strum just it strum and it. that's what made the ripple effect that perfect kind of ripple brilliant and could you imagine if they just had like an orchestral hit over top of that i feel like it would take away from it completely yeah it wouldn't have the same effect because at that point the the percussive hit is the big footstep you hear yeah and that's like the holy shit moment and then you right. have the most perfect reveal ever and it's just like that made that the rain is the ambiance. I mean, essentially, like we always say, it's percussion. You're getting a percussive battery at that point. You're getting the rain. Everything's a drum. Everything is a drum, and I love it. And I actually like that's a really good segue. And I, I know you're a <laughs> bastard, and I love it sometimes. Um, this is good because I'm, you know, very big into authenticity of people playing in films. Now we kind of get into the other side away from scoring, but movies that are about music. Um, music on music. Music on music. Not quite a musical, per se. Right. But now it's a biopic, and you're watching people perform. Um, and I like that you said everything is a drum, because that was a very famous line, and one of the best parts of Get On Up, uh, which was the James Brown biopic, which actually today is the late Chadwick Boseman's birthday. So... Good timing on that. That yeah. was very, very good. Um, that movie changed me in the best way possible. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, how many years ago was that movie? I want to say twenty fourteen. Yeah, but I remember us talking about it. Like, did you see it? You got to see it. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's the real deal. Um, I think that's one of the one of the best, better or best ones that have been done in a very very long time. Uh, that was that was something. <laughs> like, yeah, I remember they made the conscious decision, as they do with a lot of those films, where they're not going to have anyone sing. They're just going to use the vocal track, from right? Whatever, whoever was doing it. Um, but like, just to, not that it's necessarily the music, but let's just take a second to like respect Mr. Chadwick Boseman in that role because holy shit, spot on! That dude worked his ass off in that. The whole characterization and just the dancing was just incredible. Like that, that blew me away because when you think James Brown and dancing, it's like that dude had control of his body, like nobody's business, and for him to emulate that like to a T <laughs> nope I that's do many many hours of watching oh my God. footage that's or, all he did but yeah it's cool because that you know when I watch films with bands in them perform I I you know being the musician the normal and as you you as well normal person wouldn't ever think about oh what are they playing can you can you look at it like what does it make sense and that would always bother me in movies. It was like, this guy clearly never played before. Now, <laughs> yeah, you it's the first guy, time yeah, holding If you it. have a guy in the background as an extra in a band, why not just hire real people who play? He's not having speaking roles. He's not having any acting roles. Yeah, it's, I mean, He's just why not? playing something. Um, that that always pissed me off. Like, that <laughs> just bothered me so, so much. Um, I immediately always think of Jamie Foxx as Ray Charles because he actually learn to play that and sing that he's a wonder dude that guy is ungodly talented and he needs like more recognition and respect because that blew me away the he he's such a rare breed because yeah. he is a renaissance man essentially he can do everything mm -hmm. and really really well yeah so i remember I, when they cast him for that and i was like he's a comedian why yeah. would they have him do this he wears so many hats yeah yeah, but oh, he dude, that guy can play and sing. Yeah, unbelievable piano player, ridiculous singer. Yeah, but that, I mean, he's got to be like one of the top for people that are oh. actually performing. Holy shit! Yeah, I mean, it is. He had the voice down the way he plays. Yeah. I mean, that's the most authentic you could get. Yes, um, I'm not sure if anyone else in the film was playing additionally. Right, but like. He for him having a lead role like that, like you can always tell when it's someone else's hands or yeah. or what have you with that kind of thing. But I think authenticity for representation of musicians that's an important thing. For God's sake, it's a music or it's it's a film about someone playing music. Right, it's got to be spot on. You can't mess. You can't have a guy faking it. It's yeah. like come on, because a lot of people seeing it are musicians. Right, you know that's why I really liked. Um, I mean, Get On Up took the place of it. <laughs> But Walk the Line for the Longest Time was my favorite music biopic with Johnny Cash. And that was cool because the soundtrack of the film came out and everyone who was in the movie sang and played their parts. Like Joaquin, yeah, Joaquin yeah. Phoenix learned to play. He, he sang all this stuff. Reese Witherspoon did the same thing. Everyone else played. Like the band you saw in the film was the one that was on the record. And I was like, that's right. really cool. I like that. Like that's... Yeah, it's not spot on, but also his music's simple enough where you could kind of do that and get away with it. Yeah. It's nothing too crazy. Um, I always just, I just thought that was really kind of neat. Um, that's still a classic when I watch it. That's one of my favorites, dude. I used to watch that on like repeat, nonstop. Because I all the time growing up, I was like, oh, Johnny Cash is a big dork. 
Like he's, he's a big <laughs> nerd. And then you see that, and it's like, oh no, he was a pretty cool dude. Like yeah. he's kind of a badass. Like I wouldn't fuck with him. I wouldn't fuck with Joaquin Phoenix. I mean, more so. That's right. What yeah, I think of um, all all things considered. But but yeah, and then um, I mean, more recently we've had a, a few new ones come out. We have. It's getting more popular. Maybe it's getting more oversaturated. Yeah. So my thing with that, and this is more the film aspect than anything. So, um, Bohemian Rhapsody came out, and everyone was saying this was the greatest thing. And it it's a cool film. Rami Malek was fabulous. Like I cannot take that away. That dude was insanely good. I think that's the the, the highlight of it. Um, his performance. I believe everyone in that actually did play. Like the guy playing Brian May actually played guitar. Or they learned, or they fooled me. Yeah. Um, you know, but, and I think I'm not sure if Rami Malek actually learned to play for the role. I mean, it looked convincing, but then again, it's going by so quick. It's like I don't know if he's really actually playing anything. But yeah, it's hard to tell. It was convincing. It wasn't just he didn't have just his hands here, and then it cuts to another shot of some guy's hands <laughs> going nuts. Um, but the thing that kind of I was getting tired of music biopics for a while because they're all essentially the same thing they all start the same way it's always th- them in modern day or their most recent appearance leading up to a really huge gig so for bohemian rhapsody it was live aid live aid yeah. uh for walk the line it was one of his final performances for uh get on up it was one of james brown's revival performances it's, it's that and then it cuts back to shots of them as a child and then again it goes to them in their performing it's oh and then it's all drugs and it's all that and it's like they're yeah. all the same they all <laughs> that's have that, a good point they all have the same formula <laughs> right and that kind of got to me i mean i liked what i wanted to see more of in bohemian rhapsody was them in the studio because i like that stuff they did some really neat stuff which was that's kind of cool and I, those that's always my favorite part of the movie and that's always the most inspiring thing it's like them in the studio figuring out their shit yeah doing things that are different yeah you know i i always always love that like that's all that was all get on up all the james brown stuff of him in the studio just <laughs> talking to his guys like shit and everyone leaves him and then he gets a yeah. whole band him <laughs> but i mean that's that stuff's important and that's what makes you know um the performer the performer yeah or how their success came about is all those little things in between whether it's good or bad yeah that's up to you that's the character but that's everything i mean james brown was ruthless with the band but they were the best it was his name you know he was the best it was his name he couldn't have anyone fuck that up for him right because he's like you're not gonna make me look like an idiot 100 percent. you mess up you're out of here dude right i get it you know that's like that's how Buddy Rich was in real life. Like, you know, stuff like yeah. that's how Jane Brown was in real life. He was that guy. Right. Um, and I, I I totally get that. I do think though, with the, I mean, obviously I like all of these music biopics, but it is kind of after a while the same story, essentially. They all go the same route. It's always the same kind of thing. And um Rocket Man was a big switch for me for that because that crossed a weird line. It was you have a music biopic to a degree, and then it's a musical. And it was this surrealist kind of, I mean, Elton John like helped write it, you know? So it's like, yeah, oh yeah. It's a very surrealist kind of thing where it's not only a biopic, but it is an actual full-fledged musical. And I was like, that's kind of cool. It was a smart, I think it was a smart play. Just to bring up the point that you were saying about how they they became kind of monotonous. Yeah, definitely. And... It was refreshing to see how different it was. Well, we you are uh, these people listening and watching us already know how we feel about Elton John. 
Right. So it's kind of like fan, I was but... a sucker as it was. Yeah. You know, they played the trailer for that when uh, when I went to see Bohemian Rhapsody. And I was like, when's this shit coming out? I right. want to see this. Exactly. Um, and he, um, the uh, the lead guy. Uh, Taron Egerton. Yes. Egerton? Egerton. Is it Edgerton or Egerton? Yeah. One of the two. I don't know. But he's like, he plays and sings. He did everything. He did everything. Yeah. So I always give more more respect to that. A thousand I percent. Mean, and he went above and beyond because you can hear without getting too nerdy in it, but like when he sang, he really picked up on like all the little inflections and all the, the dictations yeah. that like Elton yeah. John would sing. And I'm like, that's wild. Well, you know they do a good job when you're watching the film and you don't think it's that actor anymore and you think it's just that character. Yeah. That's oh, yeah. always crazy to me. And then it's like you look at a side-by-side comparison, like they don't really look that similar, but you believed it and yeah. they did their job. He sold it. Um, which is which is cool, you know, that you give more prop and, props and respect for someone who sings and plays in a film like that. Cause it's so funny modern day how that's like a rarity now. Yeah. Because you look at like films back in the day, every actor had to sing. You had to dance and you had to act and you had to do it all well because if you did too many takes and you wasted film, they fired you. Right. That's like, you know, James Cagney was in all the gangster films. He also was an incredible singer and a great dancer. Like that's like a huge deal. (laughs) It's funny. That's that's how it was back then. And now it's just like the extent of it you get normally is, oh yeah, this actor's going to be in something. He strums a little bit of guitar. Wow, what a cool player. It's like... (laughs) What? It's amazing. Everyone strums a little bit of guitar, yeah. for God's sake. My mom strums a little bit of guitar right. if I make her, you know? Yeah. So that's like, I mean, you have, you do have, again, you're more, you're more accomplished guys. Like I always think of Steve Martin, like obviously he's a great comedian, a great actor, but he's a phenomenal banjo player. Like he played with Kermit the Frog. And like, I mean, come on. Kermit's no slouch, dude. No. Like, Kermit wouldn't play with him. He can he, shred. Yeah, dude. Like, come on. Shred. Webbed fingers, I think, have something to do yeah. with that. I don't, I don't know. Um, but it's, it is very, very, that, that's a great point, you know, to kind of bring up, yeah, look at these people went the extra mile for this part and that's dedication. Cause a lot of extra steps, mu- like we always say music's a language Do so you have to learn a whole new language that you're unfamiliar with for a role and you have to convincingly like show that or yeah. portray that. Holy shit. Um, but I will say. If we're talking about authenticity in film, and this kind of crosses a... Oh, boy. Oh, boy. This is the musical realm, but it's also the animation realm. The one that blew my mind because you sent me a video of one of the animatics of it was Disney and Pixar's Coco. That blew my... On the record, blew my fucking balls off when I saw that because... They're gone? They're... You haven't noticed my voice is a little higher and my pants are tighter? I I I have all this room. Wow. Yeah. Just like gone, like in the theater instantaneously, just gone <laughs> all over the poor guy in front of me. He's uh, like, is this balls? And I was like, you bet. <laughs> I didn't order these. Yeah. Uh, thank you very yeah. much. Is this balls? That's for your balls. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Um, they actually, when the musicians who played the guitar parts for that, all the finger style kind of flamenco stuff, they filmed them from multiple angles and they animated it. And when you see close-ups of that, that's really what is being played. That was awesome. Like, that was... I had never seen that before. Yeah, animation. when I found that, and I got so excited because I'm like, that is the extra mile. That's what it is. Like, it's that little detail mm-hmm. that makes everything. And when we watch the movie again, yeah. 
or for the first time knowing that, it changes it. Yeah. And you can see them like zoom in, like real close shot of them playing on their Everything, hand. Everything. Because they're like, yep, we did that. We added it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the extent of people playing music in, in animation was always, I always just think of Bugs Bunny playing the piano in one of those shots or Tom and Jerry yeah. or whoever. And it's like, yeah, this isn't accurate. Right. It's, it looks cool and there's a lot of movement, but that's not what he's really playing. Yeah. You know? So, and perfect practical use of that film one of my students wanted to learn one of the songs from it and we had the a book accompaniment and i was listening to it and i was like i don't know what this voicing is he's doing it was it's um remember me is the song yes that's yeah. an awesome song that's a goddamn well-written song um and i was like we i i can't figure this out it's not written properly in the book because it was written for like young guitar like beginner right. like this isn't so gonna sound like yeah, it was very changed yeah. so we pulled up a clip of it and i watched his hand play it and i was like that's the chord that's crazy and that's <laughs> what i did and it was true and that's what it was and it was awesome and i was like holy shit like they they did their homework they like, really did unapologetically and that was that sold it for me that was so good because when i'm watching these goddamn movies i'm just like great here's a close-up of you know, what's his face and whiplash doing something? Oh, yeah. Clearly, this is an overdub. This is, I mean, uh, what's his uh, face? Oh, uh, um, Miles. Miles Teller. Yeah. He does play. He is a drummer. Sure. He can play. I've seen him play. He's got chops. He's a good player. He's fine. He's fine. He yeah. does like a lot of rock stuff. But having him go into a jazz situation like that, and it's like. And like really hard jazz yeah parts. that's not like lazy shit at all they're and, big pieces and it's yeah. like him playing this like without like traditional grip Dude, i like, cringe with how the do technique you, how would you <laughs> yeah i'm just watching oh. this i'm like this wouldn't even make sense to play this because his hand how he's how his grip is he would never be able to do this like and a lot of it was him playing but a lot of it was overdubbed yeah so and i know you probably had a heart attack watching that film yeah, yeah, brought back some bad memories, but uh, I mean, I love that film. It's really I like, good. Actually. I like that film for J.K. Simmons because yeah. the dude is fantastic. But like, uh, and I think it gives, it opens, it gives people an idea of like that's how it is. Some at some places. Oh God, I know. You know, like mm. th it, that is that is not fiction. No, like, I mean, thankfully, I was blessed with uh, awesome band directors and things like that you more so were not yeah oh well, it's real i'm happy it's, you still play to this day yeah but um yeah i tried forever to find out who was actually playing the drums on most of that i'm not sure i couldn't find it i don't know why i mean i, so, I guess some some things are a little weird if they're union and yeah and with names being displayed and th i don't yeah, know but it's a shame true. because i'm like dude's a cooking player yeah that's the last track caravan which is very popular yeah very good tune. and i'm like this guy can play and i'm like searching the web trying to find yeah. it yeah and i'm like it's a shame this guy's not getting really any credit but yep. um back to i just wanted to go back to coco for a second mm -hmm, mm -hmm. now i'm gonna just for other people might be like well of course you're a musician you're you would want to see the authenticity, but for me, it really doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, why would that? Why would they need to do that extra detail? Why couldn't they just have it? You know, be whatever. Because Pixar and Disney are perfectionists. They don't half-ass anything. Right. I mean, to watch, I agree with you. I'm just saying to for watch. The sun, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. To watch a skeleton play the guitars is great. I think that's something I've always wanted to see in my life. Yeah, Mr. Winston back there, all my skeletons. Yeah, they, um, all, they all play. <laughs> it's to sell it, because Disney doesn't 
they don't fuck around. I mean, that's really what it is. It's to them. That's not the little detail to them. That's the story that is the film. And, you know, again, it's not a band in the background. It's that's the main character and it's gotta be dead on. Right. And I think that's so important. And that just shows where it's like, they're not so much going the extra mile. It's that's, that's their piece. That's how they do it. And I you think go it big add, or go home. Yeah, and I think it adds a lot to it. Oh I my mean, God, because yeah. well, that that scene where you know you see him playing, it's like, that's the movie. Yeah. That's the <laughs> you know, it's really what it is. Yeah. So of course you're gonna have to, you know, do the best you can and perfect that because that's really the underlying tone throughout the whole film. Yeah. So you can't really just breeze over it. No, like yeah. you said, it's Disney and it's Pixar, right? And it's and they they go big or go home. Obviously. I expect I expect yeah. stuff like that. Like we were know? watching, uh, my girlfriend and I were watching the Jamie Lee Curtis Lindsay Lohan Freaky Friday the other day on Disney Plus, and um, that was not an advertisement for everyone. Because um, I was <laughs> go- like I was going through all the Lindsay Lohan movies, so it was like The Parent Trap and that and uh, Herbie the Love Bug or whatever one she was in. <laughs> I have I'm a boring. Person. You need hope. I do, but uh, obviously Lindsay Lohan plays guitar in that movie in a band, and then at the end she switches bodies with Jamie Lee Curtis, and Jamie Lee Curtis has to play on stage. And you know, I'm like, you know, my girlfriend leans into me and she's like, "Is she really playing?" I was like, "No," but she sold it really goddamn good. Yeah. Like Jamie Lee Curtis was fucking into it. Yeah. I was like, "Look at her go!" People were right. buying it. Um, you know, with stuff like that, I was like, "Wow, she's really, really doing it." But for us, when we saw Coco, because I'm an asshole like that, and every movie I'll just lean in and I'll be like. He's not really playing. Yeah. And she's just like, all right, whatever. Because, you know, it's not, that's not for her a focal point. I think it's for you and I or, or musicians. It's, it is because it's like, that's what we do. It's, if you're a native Spanish speaker and you hear someone speaking Spanish, you understand it. That's a really good comparison. For yeah. you and I who play music and write music and arrange music and understand music, we hear someone doing it or see someone doing it, we pick up on it. Right. That's how it is. That's just another reason why music is a language. So when I was watching Coco, I was like, this is phenomenal. And I leaned in. I was like, he's really playing that. And it's a cartoon. Yeah. It's an it's, animated cartoon. And that's the dude who's really playing it's it. It's so good. And the, the whoever wrote that song, the writer. I don't remember who the composer was. Um, I mean. That's that whole. They knocked it out of the park. Yeah. That's a really good one. Um, I like. I didn't even expect to get to that. No. I also talked right at that part because it was very sad at the yeah, very it's end. So, the um, colors all the, every, and everything is yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Which that that was I I was just talking about rewatching that because I hadn't seen it yeah in a while. Um, I'm I, due. Yeah, I, we've already passed Day of the Dead because it was November second. Um, but yeah, that's if any of you people listening have not watched that movie, it's goddamn, it's just so wholesome. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which I mean, we, we should. We're going to do a whole podcast on Disney. Yeah, we just mentioned that. We have to because that is, as music goes, that's a monster of itself. Like to have, you know, the idea of we're going to have a musical, but it's animated. That's that's a huge, huge deal because that never been done before. Um, and then the whole idea of just old cartoons where every episode was scored. Like you know, one thinks about that when you watch Tom and Jerry or you watch any of the old Looney Tunes. Those were all scored. That's why Looney Tunes is spelled T-U-N-E-S. Oh, yeah. Which no one remembers it's spelled that way. Right. Because it was the music. It was the score. Someone scored an entire animated episode every time. I A think lot of them had, like, no dialogue. Yeah. Well, uh, my, just... Wile E. Coyote was my favorite, so the, most of those didn't have dialogue, yeah, which yeah. was great. Um, 
but it's just it's very very interesting when you kind of get in that that realm especially with um with just disney or any of that stuff also it's just worth noting any of the pixar ones always have great music and and great scoring yes, yes um, they do fun fact too toy story is one of the only few films in existence i think there's like seven that have a 100 percent rating on rotten tomatoes really? so it's like the perfect movie <laughs> i love that film that is a goddamn yeah. good film that was i was five when that came out which is also bananas to think about i know we kind of follow, we're in that age bracket where we kind of follow the Andy story. That's why that movie hit so much harder. Yeah. Um, I remember because I saw that in the third one in theaters when he's like handing all his toys away and he's like, Woody, you're my favorite deputy. I fucking cried. And no. I, me and my girlfriend were both in tears. And then there's a bunch of kids who didn't care. And I was like, well, you don't understand it. You didn't grow up with it. Yeah. You little shit. You're a poser. Yeah. Pushing down. <laughs> took his raisinettes. Um, <laughs> then he landed on that sticky movie theater floor. And he's probably still there. <laughs> um, but it's amazing um, how at least scoring for those kind of films look at it, the score as a character. Uh, and that kind of brings it full circle back yeah. to John Williams, what we started with, where it's the score is the character. And I think it's such such an important thing. So I think whether we're looking at, you know, how a film is scored itself, whether it's um, the composition of it, whether it's a musical, because we didn't even touch musicals or, or soundtracks, because soundtracks in film are another huge thing, because now it's songs that are already written. How do they work together? How do they tell the story? True. Piece them together, yeah. Which is insane. Um, and then the actual, the portrayal of music in film and I, I love it because movies and music are so tightly knit and and a lot of people don't ever think about that but it's like how foley is such a big deal with the film and sound effects you don't realize almost everything every sound effect you hear is put back in it's not naturally happening yeah it's put back in someone is an artist doing that and in that same way where they're they're creating this this kind of dimension to it and they're creating this this experience that's how music in, in film whether it's um a character in the term of score or it's a character because it's the focal point because it's about music and i don't know i feel like a lot of people overlook that and that kind of bugs me because it's it's the oh, whole yeah. it's the whole art kind of thing but that's just me i don't know no i agree with you 100 so in in closing for you or for us in general um as far as the use of music in film goes, to you, what would you think the most important part is or the important reason of it working so well? I know that was just got unnecessarily deep and we were literally just talking about my balls exploding on some, guys, <laughs> I was gonna on say. some guy in front of me in the, in the movie theater. That's why the movie theater floor is sticky. Yeah, it's probably that poor kid. Oh, please, I hear police sirens. I can't say things. Yeah, they're coming right now. Please stop. They're at the front door. <laughs> I mean, for me, I mean, the, like you said, they, they work hand in hand. And I think the music amplifies what you're trying to portray on the screen. I like that. I like that very and much. Anyway, whether you actually have music or you take the music out, it, it helps bring about whatever scene you're portraying at the time. Without it, I don't think you can really get a lot of the point across. It's very difficult. You'd have to be way more creative. See, that's a really good point that you have because it is it furthers the plot. And no yeah. one ever thinks about it like that. 
It's yeah. not just background music. It's not just the royalty-free track someone's dropping in there. This was written to go along with, which, with, with what's happening, like a lot of the old cartoons. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. And it's, you know, I think people don't realize or they take it for granted mm-hmm. when they're watching these yeah. what the impact that the music has. If you strip that away, well, now watch it. You still like it? Yeah. Still the same? Or put put music that's completely inappropriate, unrelated, <laughs> and see if it works. Yeah. <laughs> I want that. I want, like, exactly. yakety sax in there. But yeah. that's a great point because the whole reason they started putting music in film was because movies were silent. That's what they did. When you have the old silent picture shows and people would play piano, the, a piece that was written to go with the music, and it was timed specifically, yeah. and they had someone conducting, and that's what it was. And then they started to go in an orchestral, and then they had ways to record music, and then they, that changed everything. Right. Um, so that's literally, your point has been done since the beginning of film, for the most part. Yeah. I mean, there are some movies that were completely silent, and then years later they'd put a score in for re-releases, but yeah, it was right. always you went to a theater, and there was a dude playing piano, or a guy, or a small orchestra, or a pit band, or something like that to go with it. And it's like, that's crazy to think that, you know, they put that there to portray what was happening on the screen. To create the emotion. Game. Yeah. Because if it was completely silent, that'd be just awkward. Yeah, it'd be, yeah. Then, Very you know, awkward. you'd hear a big old, and they'd be like, this dude's balls explode behind yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, that's on my disgusting. Um, what about I, you? My balls? Yes. Specifically? Where are they now? Yeah. Probably on that, the back of that guy's neck. <laughs> yeah, <they're, laughs> he, he saved them. Still there. Um, the importance of music and film for me? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's a an important means of progression where I, I mean, now this isn't with all films or film doesn't have to be with any film, honestly, but for me, I think score, it's, the idea of that emotion that you're seeing on the screen and it's progressing it, whether it be to a resolution, whether it be to a climax of an act, where the, whether it be, you know, just moving from act to act in general. Um, m- music like that is a conveyor belt. It's literally carrying you along and it's making it not stagnant. Yeah. And that's that's such an important thing in in the art of film or visual medium like, like that. I mean, we didn't even talk about scoring for you know television because that's a completely different medium. that's really a good point yeah um it's another animal yeah i mean because that's you know it's such a smaller kind of canvas now that you're recording on and 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 writing for you know like we always talk about the mandalorian how awesome of a score that is oh, or amazing. you know your daredevils or anything like that um it, it's now you have a smaller amount of time to progress someone through but you still have to do it still has to move and I think that's the, you know, if it ain't moving, it ain't grooving. That's the rule. I mean, oh, yeah. You know. And I'd say with that. That's a perfect way to end. I want to thank everybody watching uh, for or listening for, for beating off with us on the Drop the Beat podcast for this week. Uh, please check out charlesrita.com for all the stuff that we got going on. We have our Patreon on there if you want to have your, uh, your name at the end of our videos that we're doing to be one of our patrons. I think that would be super cool. Um, we have our merch shop is now open. We have Drop the Beat podcast shirts. Some good stuff on there. Yeah, some goddamn good stuff. All the proceeds from that will be going to a new tea bag so we don't have to keep using K-cups like a bunch of yuppies. <laughs> um, but <laughs> Save the environment. Yeah, I was going to say, God, it's, it's sea turtles and baby seals are going to probably mm. be horrified that we're using one, these. One last sip of the zinger yeah, let's, here. Let's, let's, yeah. zing, let's zing this bitch, and the zing will be zung. Yep. Oh, baby.
get goosebumps. It stings. <laughs> it sings. Oh, it stings and it zings. Wow. Well, I'm going to go call my doctor, but my name is Charles Larita. And I'm Will Sarver. And we'll catch you guys next time. Cheers. See ya.